Podcasts from the Cat. You're listening to Business Brunch, and today we're talking to a director of a company that's been working hand in glove with most of the UK's major rail companies for over 10 years. Train Bits and More Limited cleans, disinfects, and supplies components from antimicrobial powdered coated parts to silicon neoprene seals and gaskets. On today's show, we're pleased to welcome Neil Smith. Neil, welcome to Business Brunch. Hi, Des. You okay? I'm very well, thank you, and uh, thanks for coming on the cap. It's not a problem. Uh, Neil, you you left school at 16 to train as an apprentice, uh, and you gained 16 years' experience on the shop floor. So share with us how you value those six years now you're in the boardroom running your own company. Well, it was... When I was at school, I um, no idea of what I wanted to do. So um, got me father and my granddad were both um, ex-railway men. So I applied for quite a few jobs and had quite a few interviews at the time back in '89, and and I chose to go into the works. So I did my apprenticeship, um, and at the time we had to go to um, the old Dane Bank College um, full time there for a year studying um, electrical fitting welding, fabrication, etc. Um, I then went on to do four years of a fabrication apprenticeship and loved, just loved the shop floor mentality, loved being in, you know, the working environment, earning some money, going on holiday, it was great. Um, I had no aspirations to go into the office whatsoever, just really having a good time on the shop floor. And, um, and then about 16 years into being on the shop floor, I got contact dermatitis on the back of my hands. So I had no alternative than to have to go into the office. So I started in the office just doing normal admin work. And then, um, hang on, this is quite good actually, sitting here um, looking at computers all day. So I've decided then to go off to um, Manchester Metropolitan University, the crew and Alsager campus, and did a certificate in management studies. And then from there, just um, my career just changed really. I then got a commercial role within... um, at the time, then, so we went from Brill, it was ABB, Adtrans, and ended up at Bombardier, and I was in a commercial role then. And from there, I was just, that got me exposure then to starting to talk to customers, doing a little bit more of the logistics. And from that, I just thought, you know what, I quite like this. And then I did three years working in the office, building up experience, talking to customers, going around the country, having meetings, and just fully enjoyed it. So, from the, and, and I, I like to talk, as anyone who knows me knows that. So that was always a good excuse to keep talking. So from from there, I did 19 years at um, Crewworks, and you know I was just thought it's time for a change, and an opportunity came up working for a company called Railcare down in Milton Keynes, which was concentrating on train interiors refurbishments. So I applied for a job down there, got the job. Um, Based in crew, working from home, but still did a lot of travelling. Well, let me let me stop you there and drag you back to Crew Works. Okay, yeah. How how would you compare the benefits of of first hand experience on the shop floor with with somebody that has an academic qualification and may probably get a similar job uh, as yourself? So, how would you compare the two? Um, I I think that. Not having an academic career for the shop floor it hasn't held me back. I think experience is fantastic. I don't think you can beat experience. I mean, it's great 
academia, knowing all the principles and theories, um, but the actual knowing how to do work, knowing how it works from grassroots level, getting your hands dirty, it's not held me back, if anything. I think it's helped me become the person who I am because now I own and run a company. I understand my workers. I understand what it feels like. I understand how it's, you know, how to treat people because it's the way I would have liked to have been treated. So, no, I, I, it's good to have degrees and I admire anybody who goes and does that at university. But I also think it's good to have a mix and have somebody who's got life experience of being on the tools, knowing how these systems work, getting hands dirty and, and actually working with a group of men. I think there's nothing better than setting you up in life, to be fair. So it might be an idea for somebody with an academic qualification coming into a company for their induction to involve, say, three to six months seeing how the, the company functions and getting to know... Oh, all... Absolutely does, yeah. Um, I mean, when I was on the shop floor, particularly in Crew Works, they used to have a graduate scheme, which was fantastic for, for the graduates. But they would go straight in at, say, a charge and level. So you'd, you'd, you'd have these... 21, 22-year-old kids coming out of the university on graduates, and they'd be managing 40, 50-year-old men that had been on the shop floor all their life. Um, some of the, some of, some of them were okay. Um, some of them had a little bit of a chip on the shoulder, thought they knew best. And it just, I don't think really it works. I think the, you do need to go down to shop floor level. I would say even 12 months, 18 months working at the shop floor level understanding how the shop floor works that makes you in my opinion a better person when you're actually looking at planning new jobs you know if you're going to estimating on the commercial side you've got a better understanding of how the product gets put together how it works how to maintain it i just think all them benefits really really help than just going in at, at um, say a charge and or a um, team leader's role well, I would certainly agree with that. So, Neil, uh, tell us about the, the other posts you've held uh, prior to going into business uh, and what prompted you to consider starting a business in the first place? Well, a very good understanding wife helped me, to be fair. Um, from Like I say, from leaving school, I was just your normal school kid. I, I was in the scouts, etc. went into work, um, moved on, and then I got approached when my children were only three and six at the time, so a very young family, got asked if I'd helped set up a business, um, which I did. Um, and it was only on the, um, my wife had more confidence than I did in me, and thank God I listened to her, and she was, she was great. You know, she was there, she's helped me, she supported me for it, which is absolutely brilliant. So thank you very much, Aideen, for that. And that's, that's effectively where, why I went into business really. Um, it was too good of an opportunity to miss. I think I would have kicked myself if I wouldn't have um, taken up the offer. Uh, it was hard, and it was really, really hard for the first 12 months, not two years, no, not paying ourselves a wage, etc. But we, we got there, and we're okay now. Um, out Sorry. of those 16 or 19 years on the shop floor and in, in the offices, what would you say were the most important skills that have helped you in the de in the beginning of starting a business and developing it? People skills. I like to think I get on with people and understand people. Um, knowledge and experience of the rail industry is a massive help. I mean, it, understanding the, um, the franchise system, the vehicles, um, the operators, all that which I've learned through the, the rail industry and how you know how the vehicles work, how they're put together. 
that's helped me massively. We couldn't have done what I've done now if I didn't have that sort of experience. That's shadow of a doubt. You're listening to Business Brunch, and today we're talking to Neil Smith from TBM. Neil, TBM uh, has been trading for 11 years uh, and has developed into a very successful business. So share with us some of the difficulties that you faced in the early years. And uh, bearing in mind that competition must have been fierce, how did you generate your first customer without a trading record? Oh, yeah. Difficultly is the answer to that one. Um, When we first started the business off, we we had a little small office in um, Derby which is, you know, it's still like the centre of the rail universe in the UK at the moment, which is a shame, really, because it used to be crew, in my opinion, but it seems to have shifted to Derby now. And um, we had a little office, and we thought we could take on the world. We, we thought we could offer everybody everything. Um, how wrong could we have been? It was um, really difficult, spending lots of money going out, talking to people, lots of advertising, ringing up old friends and colleagues, looking for favours, asking for help. Uh, it took a while for the business um, to become established, like most new businesses do. Our name got quite a bit of criticism, train bits and more. People, um, we got called a hobby business by one customer. But for me, it was really difficult to choose the name of a business. And um, I wanted a name that um, people would remember. Rightly or wrongly, people smile when we say it, train bits and more. Some will just smile, but if they smile, it stays. You know, some people will say, oh, I really like that name. It's quite catchy. What is the more? Well, the more can encompass pretty much anything, really. So we stuck with the name. We've gone through the criticism. Because of our experience and because of my business partner's experience, um, predominantly with the toilet area of um, trains, we got approached by a Danish um, toilet manufacturer. Most vacuum toilets seem to come from um, Scandinavia. And they were looking for a UK agent and rep. So we had some negotiations and um, we decided, why not? My business partner had had the experience. I've got the contacts. So we needed a premises. And um, I lived in Crewe, or still live in Crewe. Uh, my business partner lives in Bridge North. So we decided we'd go and have a look to see where the best facilities were. And, you know, the cheapest, obviously. And lo and behold, it was crew. And we had a, we, so we moved into a 3,500 square foot brand new facility up here on Marshfield Bank. We've been here ever since. Actually, we've grown too big for it now. We, we really want to buy our own new property somewhere. But at the moment, there's, um, you've either got a million square feet, um, which we don't want, um, or the big uh, warehouses which are going up on, in crew, which is fantastic, but they're just far too big for us. And that's how we did. So we, we broke into the industry um, working with this Danish company overhauling toilets, vacuum toilet systems for trains and selling spare parts. So then that got us as suppliers on most of the train operating companies' books. And from there, we just went into more interior parts. We employ a, um, a, a good friend and colleague of mine from Bombardier's days, um, who's got 40 years interior uh, procurement experience. So he works for us based in Derby, but he um, works three days a week. And so where he doesn't know where to go and get a part for the train from, nobody will. And that's how we've grown the business, really. So we um, started off in toilets and we've grown it to carry on to more toilets, but also incorporate interior parts now. So it so was difficult. Once you'd got your, um, your first customer, did it start to snowball then? No. So 
we our first biggest contract was with um, Southern Railways down in London. We won a powder coating contract for the grab rails and grab handles within the trains. Um, that was our biggest contract, and that was three years. So that was we were just all ecstatic when we won that. It was fantastic. Um, it, the rail industry is a very slow industry, um, and it still took quite a lot of years before other customers were seeing that we were still trading. We'd been trading. We were starting to turn a good set of accounts through. Um, we were building up um, a bigger clientele base. Um, we're getting more inquiries. So I just think the industry was waiting to see if we would survive, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but then I'm also looking for um, new products. With knowing, see, what the rail industry is, I don't know if it's very good, but they'll buy a widget from supplier A. Why do you buy the widget from supplier A? Well, because we've always bought it. But why? You know, there's better products out there. Oh, yeah, but I've always bought it from supplier A. So that's always been a challenge of mine, going out looking for new suppliers, looking for better products for life, uh, life cycle costs. You know, this might be a little bit dearer, but it'll last you longer. And that's the type of um, innovative products that I've been looking for as well, see. So, and we've grown, we've grown the business in, in that way because we can offer reliable products. Well, that takes industry. us neatly on to my next question, which is the fact that you you specialise in cleaning and disinfecting rolling stock. And I understand that TBM have laundered 400,000 seat covers to date, which is a hell of a record. It's a, it's a lot, isn't it? It's but a it's lot no of seat way, covers. the amount of seats in the rail industry. Yeah. So please tell us more about these specialist services and how your regular maintenance helps to prolong the life for both uh, seating and storage tanks in rolling stock. Well, we always say, me and my business partner, we should have, been, we should have, we should have done better at school to get involved with um, human waste and toilets and tanks, etc. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, 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 a part, it's the biggest part of our business. There's only one other company in the UK that overhauls vacuum toilet systems. Uh, believe it or not, some operators in the UK still send their toilets back to Germany or Scandinavia for overhaul um, when we're sat in the UK that could do that. Astonishing. So, That's that astonishing. astonishes me. Yeah. And then um, the toilet tanks. There is not one company in the UK that can do what we can do. All that the operators have been doing up until that we started offering our service was literally emptying the toilet tanks every night because they have CT facilities at these depots. And, um, and then sporadically, they would just get a jet washer in and jet wash the tank. Um, and that's probably, that was probably done every few years. Where we have a system which we've brought in from Germany. They've been using it in Europe, mainland Europe, for many, many years. And, and consequently, they do not suffer the amount of toilet failures that we do in the UK. Um, and it's, it's, it's a mobile system. Um, we've invested in around about five of these machines and we can do fresh water tanks. So it's effectively, we can go in and we can flush the entire system, toilet system. We do suffer a lot of vandalism in the UK. I don't know why people, passengers decide that they want to put scarves down there, chicken bones, rope. Well, we've pulled all sorts out of these toilet tanks, but it damages the vacuum toilet system. But over time, particularly hard water areas, your pipe work, it's about two inches in diameter, um, with, with your urine, it goes like rock and it reduces it to about an inch. And then, so you're reducing 
the width of the pipe, so you're going to get blockages. So um, that doesn't help. That locks your toilet out of service because there's nothing more frustrating as a passenger. You've just paid a few hundred pounds to travel to London and the toilets are locked out. And then the tanks as well. So the tanks might get emptied, but they don't get completely emptied. We, we get a build-up of sludge, etc., in the bottom. I hope no one's having a lunch, by the way, while we're talking about this. <laughs> I think and, we're safe. And I've got plenty of images I could show you. Guys, I'll tell you. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so we completely flush the system out. So it, it literally, you, you will get a shiny brand new tank and pipework. And it's like a brand new system when we finished with it. And that is, we have a major contract with a company called Asarchi Rail, which is operating all the brand new trains on Great Western and they're introducing them on the East Coast. So for the next five years, we, um, every 400 days, are flushing their toilets and tanks out. So other than vandalism, uh, them, tank, them, them toilets should remain open for as long as possible, uh, which is very proactive. Uh, there's not many other operators in the UK that have taken that stance yet, and that, that's our biggest uphill struggle, is to convince the operators that you do need to do this. And most see the benefit, but they just don't have the budget to do it. So, well, it's um, good. And, yeah. It's good to hear that, and I am sure your customers are well pleased that you're helping them uh, maximise the benefit from their investments. You're listening to a podcast from the Cat. Today, we're talking to Neil Smith from TBM in Crew. Uh, Neil, you've rolled out your cleaning and disinfecting service into other business sectors. So, tell us more about how you're helping schools and commerce stay COVID nineteen free. Yeah, well, we um, we have a disinfectant with a ULV fogger, which is an ultra-low-volume fogging machine. So, effectively, it will spray the uh, disinfectant at about 5 to 10 microns into the atmosphere. And because the microns, the droplets of water, are so small, it dries really quick. But because it spreads out so far, it reaches areas that just your standard cleaning doesn't reach. So effectively, what we've been doing for the rail industry is we can go through a carriage and in five to ten minutes um, walking through a carriage, we can disinfect luggage racks, seats, tables, floor, all the good touching points um, very, very quickly. And we've been doing that for the local company called Arriva Train Care down in Western um, Western Road there. they uh, We go in and do their vehicles prior to their men um, going on and refurbishing the trains. So it's, uh, again, it's... Um, they're looking after their employees because these trains just literally come straight out of service and um, for, for stripping down and just um, taking everything off it so that's great we've also done a local primary school in Nantwich before it reopened which was brilliant but we've only done the one we've wrote to all the schools in Cheshire and only had the one come back to us so there, must, there is other companies offering what we do it's nothing new and also we've done um, Barry. Um, the transport company we did about 17 18 weeks every saturday going and doing all the cabs to keep the drivers safe so it's it, it kills viruses and bacteria we cannot claim it will kill covid19 but there is nothing in the world that can claim it kills covid19 um, we can claim it kills coronavirus because coronavirus has been around a long time um, but there's no laboratory around the world to my knowledge and this is what we're being told that is allowed to to test um, COVID-19 disinfectants um, commercially. Uh, they're all too busy looking for, quite rightly so, looking for vaccines, etc. 
but it will kill lots of other um, MRSA, etc. So it's um, it's good, and it leaves a protective layer as well, which is really beneficial, particularly for schools. Um, once it falls on the surface, it kills um, within a couple of minutes, which is called the contact time, and that's the most important here is contact time. What lots of people like, we see cleaners do a fantastic job, and you still need to go and clean. But when you see they spray the tables and then they use a cloth and they wipe the cloth over, the contact time is the amount of time the disinfectant needs to kill any nasty bugs, germs and bacteria on them surfaces. So when you see somebody spray it and wipe it straight away, it's not enough contact time. And we're seeing this a lot. A lot of the train operating companies are sending out um, on social media their little videos of how well they're doing, which is brilliant. But I sit there cringing, thinking... You're using the same rag to clean the table that you've just cleaned the grab pole with, that you've just cleaned the push button with. And you think, oh, cross-contamination. That's so, interesting, yeah, that's isn't what it? what we offer. So is that something you could uh, roll out to uh, commerce as well, then? Absolutely. Um, we've, done, we've done a tea room in Stapley. But I'll be honest with you, Des, they're the only people that have taken us up. It, the take upon it has been really, really low. And I don't know why. I mean, we, we advertise on social media, but I don't know. I don't know if people don't understand the technology um, or people just think quite happy with the bo- with a bottle of Dettol um, and spraying the surfaces and using the same rag to do it. I truly don't know. I, I, I wish I knew. Definitely, we, we've got the equipment. I've got thousands of litres of the disinfectant. And yeah, so we're here. We're open for business if anybody wants. Their premises doing, their offices doing, their... Uh, that we've got a disinfectant which is food safe it's got no quats in it which is the dangerous side um and it's great for kitchens and, and restaurants and, and and places like that particularly with them just all starting to open now well it sounds like it's an issue on educating people the best way to disinfect their, their premises anyway moving on there uh, neil you can't ignore the fact that technology is advancing at an astonishing rate uh, and most businesses are benefiting from increased productivity and stronger margins so share with us how tbm have made good use of new technology and what the future holds for the company well, for us, the best thing we invested in was the was the machines from Germany for doing the um, CT flushing. Uh, we've literally gone from um, having to leave the tanks um, with a citric acid overnight to being able to flush the tanks out in two to three hours, and also the operator not having to remove the tanks off the trains now. So their downtime is a lot quicker. It's a lot cheaper for them because we can go to them to do it. Uh, so that's benefited us hugely, um, that investment. And like I say, we've got, got quite a few machines being able to do that now. We've got the vans to be able to go out to the depots to do it. And and then we'll be all, we're ordering a brand new um, industrial dry cleaning machine within the next few weeks for a contract that um, we've won starting in November this year with a overhauler of passenger trains. And um, we're having a bespoke dry cleaning machine made because the seat covers you wouldn't believe there's the state of some of the seat covers that we get because the industry doesn't dry clean the seat covers. Not one company does it unless they send it to me. And they, the machine, the current machine we've got, the maintenance we have to do on it is unbelievable. So um, we're having a bespoke machine from Italy on order very, very soon, which will hopefully help us do more seat covers quicker and better quality. So you'll be right up to date with that. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and on top of that, we can offer a um, protection as well, um, which is an anti-stain guard. And that's an an- that's got antimicrobial properties in it as well. So, you know, if um, when we do seat covers going forward, and this is a service that we offer um, with the anti-stain guard, because it does carpets and seat covers, and it's fully rail approved, um, that um, it, nothing stains. So it's like a Scotch guard, effectively. It yeah. won't stain, so you can you can pour tea, wine, coffee, coke, and it just bubbles on the top of the surface, which prolongs the fabric life as well. Um, and they could just be literally um, just just damped off with a microfiber cloth. No one-sidely covers because um, there's nothing worse than you sitting on a train and you've got filthy covers and people do put feet on the covers. You can't stop that, unfortunately. Uh, but you know we can stop it leaving a stain and we can stop germs from growing in them covers and how do you see the future unfolding for tbm well i i for me our challenge is to get more operators particularly at franchise bid um to build in what we do into their budgets because where we come across it quite often is the mid franchise they can see the benefits they haven't budgeted for what we do and they won't have the money to do it so it's to realize what franchises are coming up talk to the people who are bidding it and then try and get our maintenance included in their bid so if they are successful they have a budget to carry on to do what we do that's for the toilet side of the business for my side of the the other side of the business sorry it's the seat cover side of it it's getting people getting the uh, the operators to understand the benefits of dry cleaning, the, making the seat covers last longer, making them look better for the customers. Um, in, and, and ultimately, if they get them protected, they're cutting their cleaning time down as well. So they can save money because their cleaners won't have to spend minutes, hours, trying to get stubborn stains out of seat covers or carpets, etc. So that's where I want to take the business. And then with the antimicrobial coatings as well, in today's world, we've been offering our antimicrobial powder coated grab poles and grab handles now into the industry for about four years and we've only really had one major operator take us up on this um, so it's trying to I would love to try and get into the government the DFT somehow so they can understand what's out there antimicrobial wise because it does help it enough there's no bacteria and it's currently being tested in a laboratory to see how if it will kill viruses as well so you can't cross-contaminate. So if you, like say, if you're on London Underground and you hold onto a grab pole and you've sneezed all the germs on your hand or go over it and it lives on the surfaces, where there are antimicrobial coatings, it doesn't, nothing lives on the surface. You're listening to Business Brunch and today we're talking to Neil Smith from Train Bits and More in Crewe. Neil, your company is no stranger to winning awards uh, and you've won a Product Innovation Award and an Outstanding Achievement Award. So tell us about these awards and the effect they've had on the company profile and staff morale. Yeah, of course, Ken. The Product Innovation Award was, um, we won it in London um, a few years ago now, and it was for our free pin USB socket, which... you see many of these days, it's not a new invention for the households. You know, if you can go go down to B&Q Wix's and you can go and buy these products. But for rail, to get one to fit into a train carriage um, that's slim enough to go into the side panels, the dado panels of the trains, that was the innovation. To, and um, we spent quite a few years developing this product 
and um, we got it developed. We made one very slim to go into the rail. We got it approved, which is which is no easy feat to get approvals for the rail. Um, but we we achieved it, and um, yeah, we've um, we've sold it to quite a few operators. Um, and then we thought, why not? Let's enter it for an award, and um, yeah, we won it, which was fantastic. So we we had quite good PR for, from winning it. We've received some more orders for it. Um, but again, technology moves on. That had a USB in it. Now we're getting people coming to us and asking us for USB-Cs, which is the new USB, faster charging, quicker data transfers, etc. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at developing a new socket now, um, and we can see where that goes. So that was the innovation. Uh, the outstanding achievement was for a contract with... Um, Siemens Mobility on their Class 185 refurbishment contract in York. We were we won a contract to supply the USB sockets and a fabricated box for them to fit into um, grab poles, uh, powder coated grab poles, but not the nylon. They wouldn't didn't want the antibacterial for some unknown reason. So that was just your standard polyester. Uh, but we have a project manager, and uh, what we did with that is, and this is the value add we had. It's a case of we don't just win a contract and, it, uh, and just supply the product week in, week out. We're actually on site, making sure the product is fine, talking to the customer. Is there anything else you can help me with? And every refurbishment contract that I've known within the rail, there's, there's other opportunities that come out of the woodwork that nobody had thought about. And we were there week in, week out. They used to wait for us to come every week. Like, can you help us out with this? It might have only been 100 plates or... 200 widgets but no orders too small for us um and we helped and you know we helped them deliver them trains um 100 percent on time uh, and i think that's why we won it because we were there we were proactive and we helped which was great really really good and uh, do you feel there's been a knock-on effect to staff morale in, in winning these awards I, I yes i do um i think the lads like to see the name up in lights um, I think um, it, it's a, it's, it gives you all the boost that um, well, actually people know us, people see us, people realise what we can do. Um, and yeah, I think there has been a big big morale because I mean, many a times, many weeks, I can be sending out emails, sending out flyers to customers, and you get no response. So when you know when you win something like this, you think you know what what we do, it's all worthwhile doing it. it it's not easy. But every now and then, when you win an award, I think it's just great. It makes you realise what you're doing. You're doing it right and you're doing it good. And that's what we all strive to do. Good. I'm pleased to hear that it's helped you focus on what you're doing, and particularly with customer service. Neil, charities, sports clubs and other community groups would find it considerably more difficult to survive if not for the, the, the support they get from the business sector. Tell us about your community links and why they're important to TBM. I've had, um, my lads have both played for the local um, football, um, Cheshire Blades. And um, it's always, like you say, it's quite right, it's difficult. Um, these guys, I mean, Cheshire Blades have been fantastic locally. Um, I love them just based on the fact that it doesn't matter to your ability. There's no trials. You can you can turn up on a Saturday and as long as you enjoy it, as long as you put the effort in, you'll make the team. And I think that's fantastic. They don't charge an awful lot of money um, in subs. Uh, and because of that, they struggle to get kits, so they look for sponsors. So I thought, well, why not? You know, they're going out of their way, these dads and other people and their older sons, to manage the kids every Monday, 
sorry, every Saturday and then we'll go to the games every Sunday. It's pretty much a full-time job for some of these guys who manage these football teams. So I thought, well, you know, <laughs> I'm no great footballer. I really don't know that much about football. If I'm honest, it's the wrong shaped ball for me. Um, but I thought, if I can do something, why not? So I sponsored the kit for quite a few years for the Cheshire Blade Spiders, um, which I thought, well, yeah, and that was my way of saying thanks, guys. Thanks for putting the effort in. And, you know, thanks for giving my lads something to do every Saturday and every Sunday and they loved it and they really really did love it so that was great and then we've sponsored um, some customers uh, predominantly there's a, there a lady that loves to go and do free peak, free peak challenges and she was doing one for the railway children which is a charity for, in the rail industry so we've um, we sponsored um, Jenny last year to go and do the free peaks challenge which looked absolutely brilliant the uh, they had their own dedicated train because everybody, lots of teams within the rail industry. And, um, yeah, so there was a train put on for them that took them round to most of the places to go and enable them to do that. So we sponsored her as well. So yeah. I, I think it's really hugely important and uh, and I hope you continue to, um, to support the community in some respect uh, moving forward. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Neil, it's been terrific talking to you and uh, I'm sure our listeners will feel a little more enlightened about how a train's cleaned <laughs> and the things that you have to do to ensure that it's uh, clean to a standard. So should any of our listeners want to contact TBM, uh, where can they find more information? Um, our website. We've, we've got a relatively new website, so I would encourage people to go and have a look on there, which is www tbmrail.com if you go and have a look on there we've got case studies um, we've got the some of the supply chain people that we're agents for so you can go and see some of their products that we um, we offer and support in the UK and there's always um, when you go on the site there's always like there's a messenger pop up if anyone's got any questions or that they want to ask um, by all means just type something there and that comes through to one of us in the office so we're nice and easily to get in touch with brilliant uh, telephone number it's, oh, I knew you challenged me on this one. I don't often ring the office myself. It's 0844 Neil, it's been a real pleasure talking to you and uh, all of us here at the CAT hope TBM have a bright future once we once normality resumes. Uh, thanks very Thank much you, for Dave. coming on Business Brunch today. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.